Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. As always, I'm Johnny Mockney, and I guess you could say this is sort of a pre-Halloween season episode. We're not quite there yet. It is September, so that's why I did not start this episode by doing the voice that I do. Uh, But come October, I will do that voice, and everyone will love it just as much as they did uh, the last couple years. But my guest today is Kira Billard. Kira is somebody I go way back with. Um, I know her from my high school theater days. And uh, Kira is actually coming back to the stage and uh, doing acting and singing and dancing. Again, all that stuff that I left behind uh, a long time ago for now. Uh, And um, she's going to be in the Rocky Horror Show at Riverwalk Theater in Lansing starting October 19th, and it's running for two weekends. Uh, They're doing midnight shows and everything, so definitely check it out. Uh, Kira's super talented and a cool person, and she was nice enough to come on and talk about Jennifer's Body, which is a pretty underrated movie, um, pretty underappreciated at its time, has aged pretty well, I think, and kind of become a cult classic. And uh, ever since I watched it, it's kind of been a favorite of mine. So uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it. Please go watch it. Per usual, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. But uh, it was a great conversation, and I hope you can go watch that movie. You won't regret it. Then come back and enjoy this kind of spooky episode of We Are Movies. The theater kids don't. They're not a lot of podcasters out there, are there? I would hope not. Yeah. I really hope not. <laughs> I don't want to hear their opinions. Yeah, what do they say? No one say? wants to hear my opinions, you know, which is why I don't go on podcasts. What do theater kids say? Did, well, yeah, like what would they have to say? Because they're so used to being told what to say. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they probably talk a lot about Sutton Foster, a lot about <laughs> right. Renee Rapp, Jeremy Jordan. Yeah. You know, th- things that everybody knows and things that don't need to be said. I find, you know, with theater kids, not that I've talked to any since high school, mm-hmm. bar the last month that right, I've been talking, yeah. right? But um, most of what they would have to say is, you know, regurgitations of things that they've heard successful actors say, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. method acting, right? It's like you pretend to be famous and then. It's funny you mentioned Sutton Foster specifically because I think I spent all of my theater years pretending to know who that was. Because <laughs> people have mentioned it. Yeah. And then I She's only... only in everything, you know, from 2010. Yeah. Virals. No, it's crazy. Because I like, there was just like a whole, li- there's a list of names of people that like I knew existed, but I didn't know what they did. And sh- she was on there. Um, I think like, I don't know, former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld was on there. Uh, like, just like these random names that were like right. in my brain. And then Phil I, Collins, but the Phil, Senator. Phil Collins. I knew Genesis. I didn't know Phil Collins. No, and the then, Senator. Phil Collins. Oh, Senator. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a guy. Right. Wow. We'll okay. talk about it. We'll talk about it. It's super relevant. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, no, I watched Shrek the Musical on Netflix like a year ago. and then it Oh, it made sense. Yeah. I mean. I was like, that's the name. Couldn't get away from that shit, so. Yeah, you probably heard it a bunch of times. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, So, well, I guess growing up, did you come into acting in high school because you were... Was that on your own fruition or was it like your friends started doing it? Oh, I was... No, like since I was like six, I was like, I'm going to be a famous singer, actress, model. I was like, and I'm going to do it all. I was like, I'm going to be so famous and everyone's going to love me. And I would like 
you know, practice crying in front of my mirror. Um, <laughs> nice. Things that kids who need attention do, you know? Right, and right. I was like, I was like this, everything that ever happened to me in my life, I would like for a little bit of time, I would narrate it in my head. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'd be like, this is good. This is going to write about this someday. <laughs> oh, so you narrate it in real time. You wouldn't talk yeah. like you were in the future. No. <laughs> like narrating your own story. No, I would, yeah. I would be third person you know, moving around my avatar as if yeah. I was in a movie. And I was I like, get that. this drama will be really, really relevant later for my <laughs> biopic. Okay, yeah. That's good. You see, I had a weird one. I had one where, like, I was, I thought, like, I was in a sitcom. And I was like, these are the characters. Holding for laughter like, and everything. Me. Yeah, well, because I'd make a joke and everyone would be quiet for a long time. Yeah, I'd wonder I wonder like, why you would. The you laugh know. tracks are going <laughs> crazy right now. Yeah, so. the one in your head, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Were you were you a movie watcher at all growing up, or were you more of like what was your avenue into wanting to do that? To to do, do theater, and to do theater, and to sing, and yeah, I I don't know. I guess just like the need. It's like I always like loved to sing and dance. I always loved to like watch pop stars and do that stuff, you know. And mm. I also was just really we spent my mom and I spent a lot of time watching like reality TV and yeah. like watching those people kind of transform their reality TV personas and trying to like launch that into careers right. and stuff so and then also we would um like every week we would go to Blockbuster and she would pick out like four or five movies and okay. and then we would watch all of those all the time so that's sick that's great yeah, so you were a Blockbuster like, kid too yeah so yeah. it was like my mom was like you know like early mid late 20s like everything that she was into was like what i was watching growing okay. up yeah so you were watching like movies from like the late 80s and early 90s and like that no like she like was 22 when i was born so like oh. she was growing up like you know in like early 2000s it's like i watched jennifer's body right after it came out when i was like oh, nine. Sweet. Yeah. so you watched stuff that she liked as she was discovered right like little, the, yeah. the age that i am now is the age that she was when i started watching movies so it's like her tastes were what i was watching okay all right did, do you remember like did you have favorites that you wanted to keep rewatching as a kid the sandlot yeah <laughs> I fucking love the sandlot <laughs> Were you a baseball think, player? Or you just, no, uh, no, no. Baseball is so dumb. It's just dumb. such an engrossing story, the Sandlot. Yeah, I just, yeah. It, I just wanted to be a boy when I was growing up. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I was like, ooh, a group of friends. Right. I was like, I get to hang out and like do dumb shit all the time. I remember just like being so jealous that people had enough free time in their summer that like a plot of a movie could happen. Was you weren't. Like my... What were you doing? Chores. <laughs> just <laughs> mowing the lawn. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And also, I didn't have that cast of friends that were all, we were all, like, unique in our own way, uh-huh. you know? Just one fat kid, and, like, like it was all, we were all schlubby, and, you know. So you were, thing. you were Porter in the Sandlot. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't the Porter. There were multiple Porters. Um, but, but the comedic relief, that yeah. makes sense now. Yeah, everybody was the comedic relief. That Sorry was to typecast. Oh, well. No, that's okay. We I'm didn't sure have... that was a competitive friend group for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But nobody, everyone's the comedic relief, meaning nobody can be taken seriously, and there's no main character. But um, So when did you first watch Jennifer's Body? You said you were... Like, like when it came out? Yeah, like right after it came out on DVD, obviously, because we were not going to the theater. That shit was expensive. Sure. Yeah. It's like in between my like 51st and like 52nd time watching open season, my mom was like, there's this new movie. <laughs> yeah. And then we watched it and then it, it was just her and I. I don't, my brother was somewhere else at the time, but like we just watched it and we watched it like in total silence. Like <laughs> what we used to, you know, I was like a child, so I was always asking her questions and right. she was always like explaining things that were happening to me or she's 
the type of person who will talk back to movies a lot. So usually nice. I'd be getting a lot of her commentary and yeah. stuff. But, but for that movie specifically, for some reason, neither of us said a single thing. And yeah. then at the end, we both were just like, that was awesome. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Did you, were you laughing at the time? Were you processing that it was funny or did it take you a while? Um, no, I, I, th I thought it was like cool more than yeah. I thought it was anything else. I, like, I didn't think that it was a horror movie or anything. I thought that Jennifer was hot and I was like, wow, that's going to be me yeah. in four years. You know, when I'm an, a teenager, right. when I'm a 25 <laughs> like, year old high school, right? Yeah. Right, I was right, like, right. that's going to work out for me exactly like that. And I was like, God, she's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I remember right after it came out, I saw, I was looking at um, comedies on like with On Demand when I was a kid. Wow. And I remember watching the trailer for this On Demand and I was like, that doesn't look funny. Like that was my, because you know, I, I was the same age as you probably. So I was just like, I don't get it. And then I think, I don't know, maybe I was still in like my girls are stupid face. I wasn't like accepting that Megan Fox Shawnee was Johnny Mockney, certified misogynist. Certified ex-misogynist. Certified oh, wow. uh, reformed. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was like a 10-year-old misogynist, but I've moved on. Um, no more SJWs getting owned for you. No, no, I don't do that anymore. No, I, I Now I just get owned, so. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't think I saw it until college. I was in, I was in a class. It was for school. It was... Um, class about women in horror movies and it's the greatest class I've ever taken crazy shout out to Mickey Kressbach if she's out there uh, <laughs> our, our, our professor but I uh, no, it was like I remember like people were dying and it was the perfect time to see it too because like being in college yeah mm -hmm. being like just past high school and like having enough ironic detachment from life where to, it's to like know why it clicks right too far past for it to be socially acceptable to say the r word but not far enough to where it's not acceptable to laugh at right it's still funny yeah they say it like in you know in so many words like six times yeah they and they it. have twists on it i wrote down right. like they say freak tarted yeah they point. say tardy slip <laughs> tardy sli yeah yeah Sorry they sneak laughing. it in there quite a few times um yeah very like it's like a period piece almost like going back as I was watching it. I was yeah. yeah writing down some of the things that I liked, like the little motifs and whatnot. And I was like, wow, this really reads what I imagine high school was like based on <laughs> my experience in elementary school, right. assuming people were the same. Well, it's so ingrained in its era, like that. Was it two, yeah. 2009, 2010? Like it's also it's, incredibly ahead of its time. Yeah. Well, Nobody's it's, doing it's, any of this. It's ahead of its time because it's critical of its era, you know? Right, yeah, but like, Yeah, like the same way that like I think Heathers was to like the John Hughes like mm -hmm. 80s era, like Breakfast Club movies, this is to like the Mean Girls era. Right, you know? definitely. Because most um, movies that have or are centered around high schoolers, you know, they never get the dialogue right. They always write it as if, you know, they're adults trying to write teenagers. And so right. it always comes off as disingenuous, you know, like every bad netflix rom-com thing that they come out with but this yeah. one it like it it almost takes it too far to right. the point where you know it's it's amazing because it's like you're like ooh, i wouldn't say that if i was a teenager you're like but i'd probably think it maybe right <laughs> everyone's everyone's kind of out of pocket but but it's also just like i god i wrote down the, like the it's camp no you're right it's camp the the bits like the boo cross off yeah maybe the bit where i do that yeah you, <laughs> you picked that up yeah <laughs> uh but, like, I don't know, in case people are at home and they don't know the basic plot, it's Megan Fox is Jennifer, uh, her best friend Needy is Amanda Seyfried, 
and uh, Jennifer's the hot popular girl, Nini's the nerd girl, and they're super cliches. Yeah. Like, in every way. They thought that they could put beautiful Amanda Seyfried in glasses, <laughs> and that, like, everyone would be like, ugh, yeah, it's the what old a trick. loser. It's, it's the Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah, and, the uh, she's all that. She's type. all that. Right. Yeah. Glasses, ponytail, nobody will know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, so there's that, and then basically Jennifer ends up, uh, a horrible tragedy happens at their local pub with mm-hmm. a band called Low Shoulder, and then the next day Jennifer is, like, kind of a vampire, like... A succubus. A succubus, right. yeah, yeah, who attacks men specifically yeah. for the most part. She's feeding on teenage boys. Yeah, um, and then Needy has a sopper. So that's that's the premise. Um, nice to spoil it. Yeah, well, that's the... Yeah, that's the first, like, half, I guess, yeah. but... Um, I guess it's been 15 years. It's been so a while. Okay. You should know by now. But this is, you know, you're right. We were saying right before we started that this, you said this sounds like a 20 something on Rotten Tomatoes. Like this was not. Yeah, no, it was not received it. well. I think, yeah, it had like a, like a mid thirties Rotten Tomato score and then like um, also mid thirties like audience yeah. score. So yeah, it's okay. Not everyone can have taste. No, definitely not. And it's definitely like a movie people didn't get because you were talking about how this is a movie that was marketed wrong the right. trailers were like look how hot megan fox is yeah because it was hot off her transformers era right? right which was obviously made for like the people that they were marketing jennifer's the body to t- boys who are between the ages of 12 and 22 like that. right yeah. right and the the director <laughs> um Karen Kusama. Right, yeah. yeah. She was saying that the audience should have been marketed. It should have the audience it was that was meant to watch was young women and so it should have been marketed at young women, but not many things were being marketed to young women other than like mean girls. Right. Also iconic, but in a different way, right? Yeah. So Yeah. They yeah, they missed the mark with the marketing because then everybody who was critiquing it was like people, you know, who had never been teenage girls. Yeah. And, and I mean like the movie is full of like, you know, what what like nerds would call male gazy <laughs> like mm-hmm. shots like leering on Megan Fox a lot but like I think that in the context of the movie it's like you can kind of get the irony of it like you can get that that's so intentional right that's needy's yeah. perspective of her right because they're right. in love you know it's yeah. like she gets to see her as the person that she's pedestaled so it's like she gets those slow-mo like montage gaze shots where she's looking like effortless and gorgeous because yeah. you know Needy's a lesbian. <laughs> right, right. Needy's a le- That's, yeah, that's a whole other thing going back. <laughs> Needy's probably lesbian. Um, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're so. getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. Uh, I wanted to say one insane thing I found out was Karen Kusama had a meeting with the studio. And the studio, you know, the board was like all these men and they didn't know what to do with this movie. Mm-hmm. And for pr- promotion, they wanted to have Megan Fox do like a live stream Q&A on like porn websites. And okay. she was like, no. And then she said, don't tell this to Megan because she's going to cry. Like, she was, like, so upset about it that, like, she was like, I kept it to myself, like, for right. so many years that they even brought that up. You know? And because, obviously, like, this was, it kind of sucks because I've seen interviews with Megan Fox at the time where she was, like, so proud of this movie, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, about how it kind of, re- and it, like, reestablished her. And she's genuinely, like, really good in the movie. Like, yeah. she's so funny. Yeah, uh, she she plays the part really really well. It's like you know it was like made for her her archetype. Yeah, yeah, the archetype and the subversion of the archetype. Because I don't know if I don't know if it's like 
there's a weird time, like you remember, there was a time when Megan Fox was like a household name. Like she was just like, yeah, everybody knew who she was. And everyone was obsessed with her. Everybody, I mean, me included, yeah. right? Right, right. And not because she had like a classic movie, like maybe Transformers. I guess that was it, but that's not, yeah. you know. Um, but then like, yeah, this was the movie to kind of like reinvent her. And then because of how it was marketed, it didn't quite happen. But she's so good. Like she's really funny with the dialogue. And then also like the scene later on where you they kind of go back in time and you see like when low shoulder tried to like sacrifice mm-hmm. her she's like really good when she's just crying and it's yeah like, like begging yeah she yeah she reads very young which you know critique of every movie ever that they're yeah. hiring like 85 year old people to play right. you know elementary schoolers but yeah even it's like she she is able i think in that you know in the first scene where they're at the bar and before that at school you know and then in that in that back in time scene that you're talking about where they're yeah. killing her you know it's like she she gives like very innocent right it's like it's you know you see that she's like somebody who's trying to act older than she is so then when it comes out that like you know she's young and she's like you know telling them that she's a virgin and like scared yeah i'm like wow look at your range right. cuz then yeah. she's you know a murderer and a cannibal yeah yeah i, I wanted to I think part of the reason that this didn't strike me as something funny when I was a kid is like my narrow-minded idea of comedy when I was that young was that comedy was jokes. Like comedy was a setup and a punchline. Mm-hmm. But then like this movie, I wouldn't say this movie has jokes, but I'd say it's funny because it's like it. The, so much of the humor is like idiosyncratic. It's like it's funny that J.K. Simmons is their teacher and he has a hook hand. Yeah, and a, a huge burn <laughs> scar on his neck. Yeah, and that yeah. he's like, we're not going to let the fire win. Yeah. Like, yeah, he plays really into that, like, small town American type. Like, probably a veteran. Pro- I guess yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the heavy handed. Yeah, heavy Midwestern accent, too. Like, a comically, like a Fargo. Yeah, accent. you know, height of Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, so yeah, I like that small town kind of like atmosphere of the movie. Right. It, yeah. Cause it ju- juxtaposes them because, you know, it's like they're outside of that. Right. It's like the ironic, yeah. like small town teens who are not interested in the rest of, you know, their town. Yeah. Right. Did you, is that something you ever connected to? Like the, that Midwest thing? Like you were in the Midwest, but you didn't want to be here. Was that ever something that you I saw yourself know. in? The, Maybe I definitely, um, it's like that that teen girl like irony where everything is lame except for you and your best friends who are like the most important person in the world, right? Yeah. But I also, as a self, you know, to to be a little candid, um, you know, it's like I identified a lot with like the being so in love with your best friend and like not understanding it at all to the point where like it will ruin your friendship. You know, it's like yeah. having that um, that like unstated like almost weird bond that they have where you're like, hmm not like this with like other friends right or like you don't see like like adults having this relationship it's like very specific to teenage girls like the you know the fierce loyalty and also the backstabbing but also like you know the need to like be around one another and be accepted by each other it's like the you and me against the world thing you know it's very evident in the way that they play their characters and then also you know it gets into how they're in love it's you know yeah i think it's a heavy-handed metaphor or you know it's symbolism but it's such a complex thing to make a metaphor out of too it's a complex relationship yeah Yeah. that's not like easy it's not that simple and like the way that needy's essentially like the protagonist but like also doesn't really come to terms with herself by the end of the movie right you know yeah like and her feelings towards jennifer because it does turn into like 
kind of hate, you know, right. which is also misguided. Because right? the thing that I see when I see the movie, I'm like, okay, yes, uh, Needy is obviously pedestaling Jennifer, right? Need Jennifer is like everything that I think Needy and like also Needy's idea of how other women feel, right? It's how, yeah. how all of them, they all want to be Jennifer, where it's like Jennifer in her characterization, you can tell, at least in my opinion, that she's so much more in love with Needy, you know? And that's hard for her because she's used to getting what she wants all the time, obviously, and like Needy's her best friend, but ultimately unavailable because she has a boyfriend. So, you know, Jennifer goes after the next best thing, which is everybody that Needy likes or is interested in, right? Like the only other guy that she talks about being friends with, um, Colin, right, other than Chip, yeah. Um, as soon as she says, like, Colin's really nice, he's really smart, he's cool, it's like now Jennifer's all over him, right? Because, yeah. like, he has the stamp of Needy's approval. So it's like she's misguiding that, you know, the attraction and love and, like, desperation that she has for, like, Needy and exposure to Needy and then putting that onto anything that she can associate with her. Yeah, that's great. And that obviously leads to Chip, the boyfriend. Right. The end, mm-hmm. Yeah, which... she doesn't give a shit about Chip. No, not at all. I like the setup at the beginning of them as a trio and, like, how, you know, automatically there's weird tension between Jennifer and, and Chip, like, mm-hmm. how he doesn't totally approve of Jennifer and how and her effect on Needy, probably, because there's that implicit thing that Needy's in love with her, you know. Um, and, then like, I remember one of the hardest laughs we had watching it the first time was when they're just, like, kind of pushing each other jokingly and yeah. Jennifer, like, pushes her really aggressively and Needy, like, hits the wall yeah, and it's so fast. It just happens mm-hmm. quickly and it moves on. And then, they, yeah, it's so funny how <laughs> it's kind of like a built-in character trait of Jennifer that she has Hulk strength, even before she gets turned, you know, into a demon succubus that <laughs> yeah. she like, she slams. And then they have, like, the sound effect, right, of her, like, hitting the door yeah. and stuff. So it's, yeah. Love how that's, like, you know, a canon event that she's just, like, really, <laughs> right. really strong. Yeah, that, that's just something that, <clears throat> like, and I like that, that the movie through stuff like that kind of calls into question like where does jennifer the person and jennifer the succubus begin and end you know Mm -hmm. because it seems like when she's the succubus it's more like her id than it is like a betrayal of who she is you know what i mean yeah definitely because because even when she's in her most evil era right when she's doing like the murdering of needy's best friend you know it's like she's still has the soft spot for needy where it's like she's not telling her the things you know it's like obviously then she you know backstabs her and kills her boyfriend but it's like it's out of you know this misguided attempt to like keep her i guess a bit innocent i assume that's why she didn't tell her until you know and maybe two-thirds of the way through the movie even though it happens right at the beginning yeah yeah i i wanted to point out something i noticed this time we have the great scene where they go to the pub where the band Low Shoulders playing, mm-hmm. and Adam Brody plays the lead singer. Yeah, and he's great. He's really funny. Um, yeah, he gives very like 2010 like modern interpretation of the devil. Yeah, type of deal. they kind of make him look like like Adam Levine a little bit. Like, yeah, the, not Adam Levine. No, I'm I'm, getting, I'm picking the wrong guy. He looks more like different Adam uh, from American, American Idol. Idol. Adam. <laughs> yeah. Who's what's his name? Isn't Adam. he also Adam Levine? Maybe Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert. Damn it. Different Adam L. Yeah, yeah. He looks like Adam Lambert. Um, I'm going to cut that so people don't think I don't know my American Idol. But. Well, it's funny that you mention Adam Levine because they have that little dialogue in the movie when in the scene where they're killing Jennifer, where they talk about how... <laughs> yeah, yeah, about yeah. how their entire 
it's like how they're going through devil worshiping and like human sacrifice just to become Adam Levine. Yeah. You know, hilarious, right? It's like getting a doctorate to become Lauren Boebert or something. Like <laughs> right, it's, right, yeah. I'm like, wow, really aiming high, doing a lot of work, yeah. a lot of legwork for for Adam Levine. We don't uh, just, voice just you know, we don't slander Lauren Boebert on this podcast. Um, oh no, we're big fans. Should have heard about what she said. What she did yesterday. <laughs> I, that's why we're fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, I also fucking hate Beetlejuice. So. Yeah, dude, fuck, fuck Beetlejuice <laughs> musical. Somebody needed to get jerked off and vape yeah. in there to yeah yeah to bring some life just to bring some life to the thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, and get the kids out. Um, Eat your heart out, Sophie Ann Caruso. Yeah. And, and the guy was a Democrat, too, which was what made it really funny. It was the reaching across the I bet he's aisle. not. You bet he's what? He, she probably red-pilled him <laughs> from that. Any hand-job will red-pill a guy. Hand she said, don't you want me to stay home after seeing all I've done here? She's like, yeah. don't you want to put me in the kitchen Yeah, get um, me out of Congress? Lauren, if you're listening, I'd love to have you as a guest. Um, oh, God. <laughs> we'll talk about Beetlejuice. <laughs> um, so, but I noticed this line when they're at the bar, there's like... We're, we're kind of introduced to... A, we're introduced to the guy who's going to die, the football player who's going to die later. Craig. Yeah. yeah. Who is in a certain type of math that I can't say. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. Another and then, iteration of that. Another iteration of the, yeah, our, our word. Um, but then um, we, well, we also meet Chris Pratt. <laughs> He's in one yeah, scene of the movie, right. which is crazy. Yeah, they don't ever go into whether or not he dies. I think it's assumed that he doesn't die, right? Because she later never... says, I'm fucking a cadet. Yeah, hilarious how she says, I have the, she says, I have the police, like the police force in my back pocket. I'm fucking a dude at the academy. <laughs> right. That's not like, a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm fucking the janitor out back. She's right. like, you have no idea the connections that I have. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, something that, you know, a 16 year old would say. Exactly. Yeah, it's right. a high schooler's idea yeah. Of, yeah, of how the police works. But that, Yeah. I would have thought the same if I was yeah. a high schooler fucking a 24 year old. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I was fucking cops all the time. <laughs> um, but uh, she mentions when she goes to get Adam Brody a drink, she says they have this really awesome nine eleven tribute shooter. shooter. <laughs> it's red, white, and blue, but you got to drink it really fast or it turns brown. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also put that in my notes. That's great foreshadowing because the place ends up getting destroyed. It burns down with like an amp like mistake mm -hmm. and then uh it becomes the 9-11 of this town like it turns yeah. into this thing that unifies them yeah and you know what's interesting is like the little symbolism behind the first thing that they notice like the fire happens right and there's a couple shots of the fire but nobody notices until the burning flat like the burning american yeah. flag comes down and lands on the table in front of them right yeah. and then everyone freaks out and i guess right on chris people. pratt's table too he's like sitting there and then he like backs up yeah. yeah him and every other guy who makes up the american dream <laughs> yeah um, I also, my one complaint with this movie, because otherwise I think this is a perfect movie. Boo. The one thing Boo I just ready. can't, I, I'm going to explain it. And if you can explain this away, then sure. maybe I'll change my mind. The entire story hinges, and I'm, I sound like some fucking like cinema sins asshole here, but, oh, a purist. <laughs> but the entire movie hinges on Adam Brody thinking that Megan Fox is a virgin and being so positive that she's one, that they're going to sacrifice her to the devil. And I don't buy his reasoning. Well, they get because he has because he set the fire, right? Right. It's like so he could yeah, get them indicative. Out. Yeah, that he set the fire to yeah to also you know sacrifice all those people maybe as a backup in case they were sure. Versions. I yeah. mean, probably not right, but well, I think um, they needed to stab her at the waterfall. It's like yeah, but I I assume that they wanted to be involved in some kind of tragedy, right, to put it forth, which is why they're like yeah right. we saved all those people and pulled them out, but um. 
needy says like she is a virgin right and that's mm-hmm. better than fucking with you two creeps you know and then but that's he leaves after he's already like i think she's a virgin guys yeah right which i'm like sure i don't know i mean <laughs> all he says is i came from a small town i know girls like yeah this, because then like yeah then he's he has because his little side guy who's also in the band is like i don't think so right and so then he gets right. needy's um approval and then in when they're in the van later, it shows that, you know, she's like, I am a virgin and I don't know how to do sex, right? And so right. he's like, you're right, Dirk, I owe you a beer, right? So I think that, I think it makes sense for his character. He's, you know, a megalomaniac, right? It's like, yeah. why would he ever think that he could be wrong, you know? Yeah. He's a dude with eyeliner who's emulating Adam Levine, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, I I love the implication that the most evil people in the whole fucking world are like sad boy baby right. like indie musicians from minneapolis i, God, I love <laughs> that so, so much the line when, when he's so when he's about to sacrifice her and he says like do you know how hard it is to be an indie he says do you know how hard it is to be an indie rock band these days satan is our only hope yeah like, you have to get on letterman and it's like yeah make a tiktok audio it's no yeah it's so funny because it's so specific and it's so up the time too like it's so where it's like i don't know the classic male villain and a feminist horror movie is usually going to be like a musician yeah but usually more obvious Mm. like not an indie guy like 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 outside of this movie right right like the early 2000s loved a man in any cardigan and glasses yes you know 500 days of summer right birthed a generation of the worst men you could think of. right right yeah oh my gosh yeah every guy who saw the scene 500 days of summer where it's his expectation that he's gonna have sex with her and that's the reality that she's engaged with somebody else and they were like that's so me like the they're like god the nice it's like that's so it's so fucked up of her to talk to him <laughs> when crazy. she's engaged i can't believe she got engaged to somebody else when she hadn't been with me for years yeah before she met yeah um i uh I a couple of the other lines I jotted down that just hit me were like little like just really quick moments where um the chemistry is established between the main characters but then mm-hmm. also just like their in this universe their idea of like insults where she says like don't be so JV and ED mm-hmm. uh, yeah a and, lot of those <laughs> or the line where she talks about where she's like I'm not a version she's like I'm not even like she's a like, back door I'm virgin. not a backdoor virgin. Yeah. I couldn't even go to Flags the next day. I just sit on a bag of frozen peas. Um, and then like, there's just so many parts where they uh, they just like over like they they overspeak. Like it's mm-hmm. so overwritten on purpose. Like when she doesn't want Jennifer to go in the van, she's like, I want to go get like these like talk like I want to get these nachos but she mm-hmm. like it says, says a really long name for the mm-hmm. nachos that Needy wants right right yeah yeah just to give you like that little extra bit of time yeah, yeah to really flesh out the dialogue yeah I love I love how like the way that Jennifer and um Needy talk to each other in the beginning is kind of at odds with the way that Chip and Needy talk to one another because you can tell that Chip and Needy are really connecting on mm. at least on some things right like He's set up to be, like, the really good boyfriend, right? Even yeah. though he doesn't believe her that she's crazy, because would you believe her? But, like, <laughs> um, it's funny how... Because Needy is always agreeing with everything that Jennifer's saying, and Chip is always kind of being more the voice of reason about yeah. that stuff. So when he's like, you shouldn't go to that bar, but, like... <laughs> It's like so high school because he's like, you can't, he's like, you shouldn't go to that bar, not because you're 16 and you shouldn't be drinking around adults, but, right. like, he goes... He goes, it's he basically saying, like, it's so creepy. And he goes, everyone in there has a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I, I forgot about that line. That's I, he's he's a great character too because he's so like um, I like a I like Johnny Simmons' performance because he says everything like under his breath. Mm-hmm. Like he comes across as like the meekest like yeah. He's nervous. in marching band. He's a marching band. Yeah, he's, he's the guy who would funny. be Needy's boyfriend. In right, this right. Universe. Yeah, but he's still pretty cool. He goes, "Those jeans are hella low. I can almost see your front butt." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, I also like PMS isn't real needy. It was invented by the the boy run media to make us seem crazy. Um, I wrote down the bit because obviously it's relevant to you, but, uh, when, what's his name? The guy, Colin. Colin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also noticed Right. And she goes, it's not, I don't like Yeah. She goes, he goes, there's a midnight showing of Rocky Horror this weekend at the Bijou. And she goes, I don't like boxing movies. (laughs) Right. That is an insane first date, I think. Rocky yeah, Horror. that is so, but it's it's so fitting for his character. What inter- what made me kind of pause, though, about the characterization is that um, Jennifer, even though she's, like, hot and the epitome of, like, the girlish aesthetic, right? She's wearing, like, the pink and, like, the sexy, like, mini skirts, you know, the little yeah. tank tops, the aspidil wedges Except for and when stuff. she looks sick and she's wearing, like, a baggy t-shirt. Right. It's, like, even <laughs> yeah. in all of that time, it's, like on her wall like all of the bands it's like fallout boy right it's like the band that she's into is like dudes who wear eyeliner and shit and then she gets on colin about wearing nail polish i was like girl that's that's your man i was like that's like what i was like that's you know four or five years before the man that you're obsessing over now yeah i think sometimes like like this sometimes when it's like the set decoration it's like i think that's just like what the people who made the movie liked like maybe i think that's karen kusama's taste in music (laughs) on the wall you know um she's like oh this is from my house actually yeah yeah it's such a kind of a cool pairing of karen kusama is like a horror director outside of this like Mm -hmm. she just does like i don't know if you ever saw the movie invitation um not the new invitation the old one that that was like well it was like from 10 years ago or something and it's like the one where they're all at the dinner party and they kind of spirals right yeah yeah she made that one and then diablo cody cody wrote it is like an indie movie writer like she did mm-hmm. juno and like stuff like yeah. that yeah uh, that makes sense yeah juno, juno has also the same has, type of dialogue right too. yeah it has like that really good like you've never met a teenager that talks like that but it sounds like what adults hearing t- teenagers talk sounds like yeah because it's like oh that's not really like what anybody that you know would say when you're 14 right but as an adult you're like what the fuck are they saying and it's like right. it sounds something like that that's that's camp yeah, yeah it yeah. is camp it reminds me of uh did you ever see like pink flamingos or like any of those john waters where movies? divine eats dog shit yeah where divine eats dog shit yeah, yeah. The Divine Eating Dog Shit movie. Divi- yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one. I don't right. think I don't think Divine does that in any other movie. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not. Uh, well, no one can do it like Divine. Yeah, um, but the way I think of that movie and how that movie is sort of like we're gonna be the monster, like like that movie's it's by John Waters and it's got mm-hmm. Divine and it's basically like for queer people, it's the movie of like we're gonna be the monsters that they think we are. Right. Of, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and sort of like reclaiming monstrosity <laughs> sort of right like taking on that taboo like that like you yeah know, evil going to um corrupt you type of right. personality and in a way like in a in some small way diablo cody kind of does that with young people mm-hmm. like we're just going to be the vapid insane people that adults yeah think we are yeah the epitome of. of like that bitchy like beautiful cheerleader right yeah. and then you know makes her really endearing yeah <laughs> she, no like endearing at the same time too right like, even when she's being bitchy yeah she's, it's like you love her because like yeah. she's so cool but like in a way that's 
cool even to me as an adult knowing that she's a 16 year old right like because yeah. nothing that 16 year olds think is cool is usually cool to anybody else so. <laughs> right right i love when she uh uh seduces craig's friend uh, yeah, when he's like sobbing and she's like, he would want this. Right. Well, first there's this like insane shot where he's standing on the football field crying and there's like a yeah. metal song playing. And all camera. like he's just standing there too. Like it's, yeah. I, it's like I love how. He's just admiring where they used to practice. Yeah. Like, like I love yeah. the characterization that all of these men kind of the way that the shots are set up, they're kind of just existing there until <laughs> Needy or Jennifer yeah. um, interacts with them. Right. It's like they're prop pieces yeah. waiting to, you know, become waiting to push the plot forward with yeah. her you know and it's i think it's good because you never you didn't at the time see that very often right where men were the ones who were underdeveloped and kind of right you know just boards right for them yeah. to interact with which is clearly done as a joke like right right and then also has the great moment with the recurring joke where you see jennifer approaching from the distance but mm -hmm. then she ends up coming from a different direction yeah and she's and like then, hi hi jonas yeah i also my favorite thing i don't know if you watched the PG-13 cut or the unrated, or sorry, the R-rated cut or the unrated cut, but the unrated cut has this one thing that I, I only noticed this because I've seen it like once the other way, but the guy's dad, when they're pulling his body out of the woods, the guy's dad is Patrick from Spongebob. And you only know it in the unrated version because he starts screaming like, whoever did this, I'm going to rip off your balls. And it's just Patrick's voice. I did not see that uh, one. Just look it up on YouTube. It's great. Okay. There, I think somebody dubbed over Patrick with that line. That's Damn. Really <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? Do you have... No idea. Okay. No, I was, I was just reading the notes that I had. Yeah, I'm trying to like make heads and tails out of these. Oh, one thing I noticed when she kills Colin, he has a rosary in his hand mm -hmm. which i think was like kind of an interesting subversion where it's like she takes him to this you know abandoned house basically to seduce him but then really eat him and he's kind of nervous about the whole thing and it's mm -hmm. like i think it's the subversion that maybe he's he genuinely was kind of like a deeper guy and, yeah and like she's corrupting him right right he's not as like kind of a knee-jerk horny guy like some of the other victims right might have done. he wanted to take her to rocky horror he, yeah, he went over to watch aquamarine with her <laughs> yeah. you know he would watch aquamarine <laughs> yeah exactly um the aquamarine line is funny too when she yeah talks about she's half sushi she has half sushi and then she has sex through a blowhole yeah. Blow yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um no that one's good yeah because the whole thing about colin's character right is that like he's the only one who doesn't do like those like one-off funny lines right like jonas only has like two lines before he gets murdered but it's like he's really playing into that like grieving friend right yeah. even when jennifer puts her his hand like on her chest and she's like feel you my know heart. yeah she's like yeah. do you feel my heart <laughs> jonas it's like you know he's playing into that like like really like in earnest like grieving friend right um but chip and needy and jennifer and even like the parents for like the very few lines that they have they're all just yeah. doing like little jokes and like little bits right like I, little ironic parts i love all the parents in this movie yeah <laughs> there's a, every amy sedaris is needy's mom mm -hmm. she's really funny and then like the i wish i could i wanted to write it all down but i couldn't catch it all but the monologue that colin's mom gives at his funeral where she like 
stands up and she's like yelling at the goth kids for morning and she says like he looks like lasagna with teeth Teeth, yeah yeah and, it, but it's so amazing it's the only line she has in the whole movie it's, and then they bring it up later chip's mom does she's like didn't you hear how colin was <laughs> yeah lasagna. yeah but i love it it's like in his character his character is the only one who's like being serious about any of it right mm-hmm. it's like even in the face of like the deaths that they're all talking about it's like they're doing these ironic like teenagers don't have empathy lines and yeah. he's just like he's like it's not a fucking boxing movie <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's so the only one who's so serious boxing movie yeah. yeah he plays the yeah he plays like the anxiety ridden like deep cut dude really well too because like when he's on his way over like psyching himself up to um to hang out with jennifer at the abandoned house with oh, he's... with the overblown candle budget they have yeah oh my god He's singing, uh, I can see clearly yeah. now. The punk rock is. version. The punk yeah. rock cover. And he's like, yeah. he's, doing, he's doing the theater kid thing where he's like, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like little flourishes. Right, like, like yeah. the yeah. thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's the sense that he was like a nerdy kid that kind of became goth. You know, as so, nerdy ki- as nerdy as theater like nerdy kids theater do, kid. yeah. yeah. Well, as plenty do. Yeah, yeah, you were there. I was there. Yeah, we, we were in theater. Seen we've seen it happen in real time. Yeah, yeah, we've seen the before and after. Shout out to Alex. <laughs> Yeah, um, I uh, yeah, but even like down to like the final like you know even like the most serious moments like when Chip like impales Jennifer and she's yeah. bleeding and she's like you got a tampon and she's like no thought I'd ask you you seem like you might be plugging yeah like, and then she walks away yeah then she just yeah. walks away yeah it's it's good it's good camp you know it's so yeah and I, and I, I I guess I can get why because you're right when you said it's ahead of, ahead of its time right all good camp things are Rocky Horror also got a 20% when it came out yeah you know like feedback rating it flopped everywhere yeah so I, I just I literally the last episode I did on, on here was for Hot Rod and that right. was a comedy that everybody hated when it came out and it's like it just needed the right audience to like come of age mm-hmm. and like accept it you know yeah and understand it yeah yeah and I think that also what 2009 was a pretty like like really horribly sincere time like like I mean in terms of like like nobody was irony wasn't not for like rice gum sure yeah yeah. <laughs> But it, it like wasn't like you know irony wasn't in like yeah, yeah. now we've gone too far maybe but like because there's a happy medium there. Somewhere. What else came out in two thousand nine right? It's like it's like everything took itself very seriously right and like that's yeah. why it's so like good now because right. it's like it was the time where Michael Jackson was influencing all the fashion right? But it's like everyone was very serious about like the studded belts and the fingerless gloves. Right. No, it's and the, cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, and the the feathers in the hair right? Yeah. The big chevron patterns and it's like the movie has none of that. Right. You know? It's like it has it doesn't feel as if it was placed in two thousand seven. It feels as if it was placed in an ambiguous time. Yeah. Existing at the same time but parallel to like, you know, it's the, um, so funny to say that. Like they were they were so into the studded belts and they were like, This is genuinely cool and then now it's like if you wear like a, if you just go out with your friends and you're wearing like a suit jacket with pizzas all over it, people will be like, That's so funny and like and you'll be the right. start of the party. You know? Right. Well, because they're like it, it's like because irony is so in right now, right? And yeah. then like the the post irony where like you're the irony about being into things is that you're actually super serious about it. Right. It's like, you know, it's like how far can you take things like in like, like ironically until like you just start to love them in yeah. earnest, right? Like doing the irony poisoning. It's like oh now like I'm actually obsessed with the things that I was like yeah. <laughs> doing as a bit before. I had that problem. Like I, 
for a long time would ironically say like yeah that rules i would say that to like a lot of things and now i just say it to everything that i like and that i'm and like at this point i'm like i don't know what i'm ironically saying it about anymore yeah it's like, like when i saw that lauren bober got in trouble for jacking off a guy at beetlejuice and i said yeah that rules i was yeah. like wait does that actually rule i don't know like yeah i'm like, sure it doesn't it, but. she got she got hate and it's like Thought this was America. Right. Yeah. God forbid women have hobbies. That <laughs> yeah, come on. We've come so far. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that, I mean, do you think irony is like, to pull it off successfully is kind of hard. Like, it takes a, a certain familiarity with the audience, yeah. right? Like obviously if, if it's you and your friends, like they're going to understand. But it's like I've, and you actually, before you and I um, knew each other as well as we did now, um, after high school when we were just, um, you would post some things and I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, I really can't tell if like you're being serious or like if you're right. a piece of shit. I was like, I really don't know. You, you know? said that to me recently. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I thought you were, what do you think I was like a libertarian? Or I, something? Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought that you were, <laughs> no, I thought you were like a yellow bellied like centrist. One of those people who like, like who says like Mark. both sides are stupid and yeah. like I'm smart for saying that both sides I'm are I'm smart dumb. for believing in nothing. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and for having no values it's like and yeah i did think that about you because because you because we weren't um like familiar with each other at that time and so i was only see you being candid on social media which nobody does nobody know? does that nobody cool does that whenever somebody posts like five paragraphs about how they're starting grad school or something i'm like, Dude, like, fuck, fuck off. like what are you <laughs> that's so boring if i start when i start grad school nobody's gonna know they'll know when they ask me I'm, yeah i don't <laughs> tell anybody anything about my life no why would you yeah yeah the hubris right exactly requires. me as i'm plugging this as i'm plugging me being in rocky horror the reason horror. for being on this podcast yeah yeah of course and, i'm and in rocky horror um so oh yeah the last thing the other thing i wanted to point out uh chip's mom in terms of moms chip's yeah. mom has a great moment where she looks at her daughter her like young child daughter mm -hmm. who's sitting on the steps and she's like man spreading and she's like camille sit like a lady no one wants to see your kiki and <laughs> it's funny but it also is like kind of part of the sad like it is kind of a sad movie like it's like jennifer is the way she is because of kind of forces outside of her control mm -hmm. and then there's also like you know chip's mom just kind of being like a woman who is like holding her daughter to these really like strict womanly rules even mm -hmm. when they're just in the privacy of their own home you know? yeah really like markedly pointing out the that like the male gaze made jennifer what it is so then like her becoming an evil cannibalistic you know villain is like an exposition of all of the stuff that she's kind of taken in and then internalized right and it's like now she's externalizing it right it's like she's right. using the sex she's using the the currency that she has with men in order to like you know be their demise that's what she has like, right that's what she was and given. it's so <laughs> right and it's so interesting then because it's like it's like so far into the female gaze that like it becomes you know like it, it also is another point of irony right because it's like she the little the very like iconic like pink sweatshirt with the yes. red hearts that she's Which wearing when she walks down the hall and the color grading is great because yeah everyone's, everyone's so gray. gray she's yeah she's pink because yeah. she's just fed yeah they yeah. they got that that was a a child's hoodie from like a valentine's day target thing yeah. that they were doing apparently so it's like she's it's like she's getting so like cutesy right it's like she has like the cuter that she gets right and like the more feminine that she gets it's like the more evil she is you know it's like the more right. she's like feeding on men right and it's like she's yeah. feeding on men and then she's taking like that and then becoming 
you know, a derivative of herself. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Those, those better than anything wrote somebody wrote in my class. <laughs> um, Thanks. Uh, no, I just, I remember like, cause we would always have to have like our first reactions after the movie and everyone mm-hmm. was just like, it was funny. Like nobody like knew, we all knew we liked yeah, it. Yeah. You need time to process. You need time to think about it all. Cause here's the, the other thing. There's no scene. And I wanted to ask you about this cause you, you front loaded this episode with, uh, uh, Needy's gay. Um, <laughs> sure I did. so like, I mean, we don't have the scene where Needy says I'm gay. We do have the infamous, the infamous makeout scene mm-hmm. that I think a yeah. hundred people saw before they ever saw the whole movie. Yeah, right. Um, but like, it's uh, that's kind of it. That's kind of all we get. It never like fully resolves itself. This right. this you know love that she has for Jennifer that they they have for each other. So like, what do you? I don't know. Is that I guess, like, do you do you like how the movie is sort of does does leave that unresolved? Do you see like a purpose in that kind of? Yeah, I th- I think that it's very intentional. Like, if she were to come out and say like I'm gay and have it be on the nose, it would. I I think that audiences would then detract some of the intimacy that comes from their friendship, right? Because yeah. even though they're in love, it's like it's meant to be subtextual because so many of those like teenage girl friendships have like that homoerotic undertone right that never comes to the surface and then like they inevitably blow up because like they don't really know themselves and they don't know each other other than like they have these really intense feelings and even if they weren't in love and even if it wasn't gay right it's like there would still be that so and i think that it's very it's like if you if you've ever been a a gay teenage girl who was in love with your best friend it's a heavy handed um just everything like the way that they are, the way that Jennifer's set up, like I said, from Needy's perspective, the way that um, Jennifer acts when Needy is around Chip, right? It's like the way that she's kind of taking all of those feelings for Needy and then deflecting them elsewhere and onto everything that Needy finds interesting, you know, everything. It's like she's trying to take up all of that space in Needy's mind, right? And kind of eat out everything else that she's into to like have that to herself, right? And it's like, you could say that that's a possessive friend, but then it's like they have a makeout scene, right? It's like they have the heavy handed, like, like the flirting that will come between two girls who are finding themselves sexually and like exploring that empowerment but like you know they're doing it in the safety of their best friend's bedroom right it's like at the there's one of those flashback scenes where they're in the sandbox together and she like pricks her finger with that tack and then needy immediately sucks the blood out of her hand right it's like it's a level of intimacy that you're not going to get probably from a high school romance like with you know between like a 15 year old boy and a 15 year old girl right it's like it's something that has to be like developed and nurtured and cared for over a long period of time between two weird bitches <laughs> like, right, right. who like you know it's like whose whose first loyalties are to each other because they've like had that that kind of like secret connection right so how needy is like jennifer's here you know yeah. before she's knocking on the door or how when jennifer is like kissing trip it's like needy touches her lips and she can feel it right because yeah. they have like that connection right it's like it's it's because they're best friends but it's also like because they're more than best friends right yeah and there's also like i i noticed the way that when the makeout scene happens it's like it's really intense and then needy pulls away and it almost comes like she plays it off like she was like in a trance like it wasn't mm-hmm. like like 
in a vampire movie, you know, like that type of yeah. thing. And then Jennifer kind of plays it off like it was like just a joke. funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, like she was doing it for the bit. Yeah, she's like, don't be so uptight kind of thing. <laughs> right, yeah, right. And right. that's kind of all it is. It's all that happens. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I think it would be too heavy handed. And it's like... Also, well, it's if they so, were like, so oh, how do we feel about this? You know? Yeah. Right. It's like if they had to go into that and then kind of like explain the feelings, right? It's like that's right. not something that teenagers would be able to do. So it's like it would feel out of place. And that goes against the whole point of the movie. Right. People just talked about how they felt. Or yeah. Was, right. It's like know? it's like they explicitly don't talk about how they feel. Right. Yeah. So do you think at the end of the movie when, you know, there's the uh, another reason where it's like, if you don't get it, you don't get it, and you're going to hate the movie, or you'll mm-hmm. think it's bad. But, like, another one of the lines that happens at the end is when Needy goes to kill Jennifer, and she stabs mm-hmm. her in the heart with the box cutter. Uh, and then Jennifer's <laughs> yeah. like, my tit. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, your heart. And it's like, I remember somebody in my class saying, like, that line's about how Jennifer objectifies herself, but she re- should really be thinking about, like, mm. who she is. <laughs> Which is silly, but probably true. Um, right, but then you're like, but it's also, like... It's also just funny. <laughs> it, it is also just a funny thing to say. But then, like, after that uh, happens, and then Needy now has some, like, has Jennifer's powers. Mm-hmm. Do you see that ending where then she, like, is in prison, and then she breaks out, and then she goes to murder Low Shoulder? Band, yeah. Do you see that as an empowering ending, or do you see it as tragic in any way? Because I think it's kind of both, like... Yeah, so you what know? you were talking about, like, the sadness of the movie, right, like subliminally because it's a comedy and a horror right but the the sadness is like the death of the friendship right because you see that like they're fighting right and they're fighting like in these like sex positions basically right like she's on top and then they like flip so that jennifer's on top and and they're like bitching at each other and like saying those like campy lines but then it's like the part that causes jennifer to fall is when she rips off the best friend necklace neither of them take off the either like the necklace the entirety of the movie right um I think even, like, when Jennifer is swimming, like, in the lake, right, it's like she's taken off everything but the necklace. So both of them have it on the whole time. And it's, like, it's, like, she, it's, like, that's, like, you know, obviously the, like, her ripping her heart out in a not-so-subtle way. But, you know, it's, like, that's when Jennifer is dead, right? Not when she gets stabbed. It's, like, when, like, she doesn't have Needy anymore. So it's, like, I would say that the ending it's like, obviously she killed her, right? It's, like, it's the death of their friendship, but then it's also not because it's, like, even though she hated her and even though she knows that Jennifer killed her boyfriend, it's like she'll still avenge her death. Yeah. You know, because obvi- like, um, ultimately low shoulder is the reason why her and Jennifer's friendship failed. Um, yeah. And not necessarily because of anything. That, I, don't, I don't know how responsible you are for your actions if you have a demon living inside your soul. Sure. I, I, haven't, I haven't thought about that part. But yeah, it's like she's still... You know, it's like she still has that loyalty to her, right? Yeah. To, to be the first and probably only thing that she's going to do after she busts out of the mental asylum is to go murder the people who, in, in many ways, took her friend from her first. Yeah, and it is kind of uh, like... I think that it's kind of ambiguous as to how much of that is needy. Like, it, was she? did she just get the powers or is she actually just a demon now? And it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, she But the same way it is them. with Jennifer, too, where it's like... Everything Jennifer does still matches what her motivations as a person would be. Mm-hmm. And so does Needy's at the end, you know? So yeah. it's like, that feels really intentional. I also like one touch, because I rewatched this the other day, and literally it's the first, I've probably seen this like four times by now, but mm-hmm. the first time I noticed this is at the end when she picks up the knife 
the knife that yeah. it's the knife the, the bowie shoulder, knife the bowie knife that they when he goes bowie knife and he's like bowie dude like, nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh the one that he threw into the um you know into the waterfall and mm-hmm. there's this deep hole and they don't know where it goes mm-hmm. it just washed out somewhere and yeah and you can even see the little balls that the scientists have thrown in yeah like that yeah, was definitely. a detail i noticed so i feel like that's kind of almost saying like that like this legend of like mm-hmm. oh this goes to another dimension it's like oh or it's just bullshit like it's just you know some things we like hype up is lore and it's just like doesn't really mean anything you know right it's just, it feels you know just like a resolution yeah. you know it's like she it's like oh yeah it never comes out and then it comes out very, i don't know where just the like mental asylum is yeah, yeah but just like it's like obviously it does they just you know weren't looking wide enough wherever they were looking yeah. but um yeah, I think that I because the end of the movie also she gets into the car with the old man and he's like, where are you Lance going? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it I thought that it was going to go in the direction of like she was going to kill him. Yeah. Right. And not just like get a ride from him sure. because um, she was like kind of taking on and like internalizing some of Jennifer's personality in herself. Right. Being the only one that's alive anymore. But um yeah, I thought I found that it was interesting that like he was kind of creepy when she got in the car, you know, yeah. and then it's like it, it kind of just ends, right? It's right. like she doesn't kill him, she doesn't like steal his car. He just takes off the hat and then they go. I love also that he was wearing the hat until she got in the car and then he decides to drive without it on. Right. He's a gentleman. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know. I, just, I, I, mean, I don't hang around people who wear hats. So, so. one thing, I got one <clears throat> movie nerd thing to throw out that I think might make sense. I don't know. Maybe I, I might be overthinking this, but the guy in the car is mm-hmm. like it's this super intentional shot of his face like they want you to know who he is and it's this actor Lance Henriksen and he starred in a movie called Pumpkinhead and in the movie Pumpkinhead he summons a demon to get revenge for the death of his son so i was thinking like it's kind of like now she's summoning a demon to get revenge for her friend you know and oh, so interesting. i think there's like i don't know maybe it's, it's a reference or maybe they just cast him cuz he's a looking old guy well they also um the director said that she pulled in a lot of little like hints to her other favorite horror movies like when needy walks in and jennifer's in there and she's like is that my evil dead t-shirt right and like um, that's another thing where it's like i don't picture needy being an evil dead (laughs) right it's just yeah it's like it's a it's a little hint you know from the director like the director's cameo in the bar scene um yeah, it's like, I I like how it's fleshed out that, you know, it's paying homage to different things that she likes, right? And, like, through the characters, um, giving a little bit more life to those. Because, like, what 16-year-old is, like, knows Pumpkinhead? I don't know. <laughs> right, no, nobody, probably. Just yeah. me, actually. She doesn't seem... Because what else is she into? Like, she doesn't know who Phil Collins is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I wrote down the... Uh, there's one... Maybe the hardest I laugh every single time I watch the movie is this one needle drop that happens. Um, it's right after she breaks up with Chip. And the song that plays, like, when it comes... I can't, for the life of me, remember what the song is, but it's like... Um, wait, you know what? I definitely wrote it down. It's that early 2000s breakup rock. Yeah, maybe I forgot to write it down. But it is like, yeah, no, it's like the perfect... It's such a funny... Yeah. Uh, I, I, Yeah, I can't... Uh, 
my girlfriend's gonna kill me for not remembering because she, she likes this band but um but <laughs> yeah like the no. fray or something it's something like, like that yeah yeah uh but like even that is like a joke like that's ironic because that's like yeah, a tiny right. needle drop but it's like the context is that her friends with demons so that's the soundtrack adds so much to yeah it's uh it's so good yeah, the the classic rock needle drop when they go to the bar for the uh-huh. first time. So you know, like, oh, this is like a like a pub. This is right. like old old guys get drunk in flannels. Like, yeah, you couldn't tell by the old guys in flannels <laughs> <laughs> that were in the you background. Know, you know, before you see them, you know from the song, <laughs> you know what kinds of guys are going to be there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, because then it's it's so funny then that the indie band goes out to there because he's like, oh yeah, we want to play in the shittier area, but it's like with the understanding that he's <laughs> yeah. playing for these old men. Who would rather be listening to, you know, Foreigner, Counting Crows? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, do you are you a horror fan outside of this at all? Or yeah, yeah, yeah I would say so. I'm, I'm not like I wouldn't say I'm well versed in like good horror movies because yeah. there's I would say like a lot of the classics I've mm. only seen once. But it's like I'm a horror fan in that I've seen everything that blockbuster put out sure. from 2005 yeah, to watch, when like, it closed right and, like, yeah it's like i watched like pulse i watched um yeah. yeah it's like i watched um like every iteration of the amity of like amityville horror, <laughs> amityville horror right? yeah the grudge 20. and the grudge 2 yeah. and the grudge 3 <laughs> all the all the movies that we remade of japanese movies probably, yeah like, yeah the, i watched all of those yeah like uninvited like yeah. all that stuff where i was like this is so scary and i yeah. and then i was like oh it's because i'm nine <laughs> right yeah <laughs> that's why it's so scary why do you think because like i mean this movie's kind of ahead of the curve but now like i'd say like 2017 onward we're still in this phase of like where the biggest horror movies that come out are all like kind of unsubtle social commentaries or satires. Yeah. Like post Get Out, you know, there's like, mm-hmm. there's that and like there's Midsummer, you know, and like all, like a lot of movies that are... Like Candyman. Yeah, can, the new Candyman especially, like mm-hmm. they're all kind of built on the fact that they're about something and it's not just... Right, they're like the real movie. horrors are like the things that you experience in real life and right. they're just like taking that up a notch. Why do you think horror lends itself to that? Do you think? I think it's a sign of the times. Like it's, it we're in a really political time everywhere, mm-hmm. right? It's like you can't watch like a Netflix show without getting preached at, right? And right. like now it's like there's articles that are coming out about where it's like people want to stop like being inundated with social commentary in their entertainment, right? But it's like <laughs> it's impossible to get away from if I can go on a tangent because so many people are you know talking about it that like they want to see that kind of reflected in the media Mm -hmm. you know it's like they want to talk about something and then have that shown as something that everybody's talking about right because then netflix and hbo and everybody that's like making these and profiting off of it it's like they're getting back good reviews from that focus group that like you know it's like they get to get the social currency that comes with being woke about certain topics right and then it's like we're on the good side yeah exactly and then it's like that helps their profit margins because they can be seen as a company that's tied to specific moral values that holds a lot of you know weight right now especially with young people right because they're trying to get those forever customers in now so it's like if they can appeal to slur discourse for yeah. the teenagers out there you know it's like they can put them in their back pocket for later so that was such I would a good say, socialist answer that was just <laughs> sorry no no it's good no, you're right, not you're right. Yeah. yeah it's like so it's and it's tough because it's important but it's like yeah i'm like i'm it's, like it's i the, can it's hear the modification of right and it's and it's yeah. also watered down stuff you know it's it's not sure. ever coming from the horse's mouth right it's like you're not putting angela davis mm. in these horror movies you know to get her like it's like Asada Shakur is not coming back to, right. to give you the answers. It's like you're you're getting 
um, you know, a secondhand BuzzFeed type of commentary about everything that we're existing in and things that people who are probably a little bit more politically active have pro been saying for a while, right? But yeah. it's like, if you can bring that to the mainstream, then everybody's like, wow, and nobody's ever talked about this before. You know, right, it's like right. it's like how in the new Barbie, like the Barbie movie came out and everyone's like, nobody's ever made movies for women before. I've heard that take <laughs> yeah, actually. And I'm that's like, funny. that's interesting. Right? Yeah. So, so I would yeah. say that that's why I would say, and I would say that that's probably a trend that we're coming out of kind sure. of as I've seen it, right? Well, did you, did you see like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Yes, and I loved and it. And that's a movie I, that... I know people didn't love it. I, I loved, loved Bodies, it. Bodies, Bodies. And, and, yeah, and it's it's a movie that's like about the discourse, but mm -hmm, it's but not it's, didactic. It's kind of just making fun of it. Right, because it's being put forth by all of these people who are shitty, mm -hmm. right? It's like they're, you know, they're parroting all the things that they've probably heard. But none of them have experienced it. Right, yeah. And upper it's, middle class. And yeah, and that. she yeah. goes, they work at a public university. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. that stuff... Yeah, and I love that because I, I, the most important part of any movie to me is the dialogue, right? Is like the character interactions. Yeah. So if everything else sucks, but I like the dialogue, um, then like I love the movie. Yeah. So it's that's one of that's like the actor in you. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the actor in me. I would not call myself an actor, but um, it's too late. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say that one is really good at again like the irony of you know it's like they're really good at creating the persona of like kind of like an ironic um artistic rendition of like real people that you see like talking to one another on the internet and kind of like shouting into the void right yeah it's like jennifer's body i think is a is a good what did they have myspace version of that <laughs> yeah yeah no you're right it's the same way that bodies 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 is twitter like yeah, Jennifer's body is MySpace. <laughs> so is because she yeah. she talks about finding low shoulder on MySpace, and I'm like, yeah. this makes sense. Yeah, no, it's perfect. She she would be the quintessential MySpace hot girl, yeah. Jeffrey Star, if he was hot or had <laughs> right or wasn't a racist. I don't know. I I don't know if Jennifer would be a racist or not. Maybe hopefully not. There's not She's any. From the Midwest, there's so not any non-white people in the movie, so we'll never. There know. are not any. Yeah, that's the crazy. Thing. You see them in the background. <laughs> She never gets the chance to be racist because we never see her talk to her. She does. She murders Ahmed from India. Oh, she does. Yeah. Mm. But then it, it, is she racist or is she Is she, is she inclusive, right? Inclusive, exactly, yeah. yeah. Is she, yeah, is she not racist? Right. Because she didn't save him because he's from India. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I'm, I'm on the side of Jennifer being woke. Uh, <laughs> I, I think... Uh, also, there's the thing with horror that it's just like, I think it's a natural pendulum swing too, since horror has a history of like, the monster's a metaphor for communism or black people or something. And, right, and right. So and now, now the monster like, is like the capitalist white man, right? Right. The, Very... pe the people making the movie. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so the people fine. who are making, yeah, they're like, you can make yeah. fun of me. They're like, I have a billion dollars yeah. from Midsummer. <laughs> That's, it's just like, it's the same thing with Mattel and Barbie. Like, we suck. Like, like isn't it funny how awful we are? Yeah. they like, see our movie. They're like, but now we'll be responsible for the new age of empowered women. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm. Exactly. I We're didn't gonna... see the Barbie movie. So oh, you didn't? It's I should. I mean, yeah, everybody's like, it's so good and you should see it. And I'm like, I will. And then I, you know, I, I have a job. Do you like the song Push by Matchbox 20? I would have to hear it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. If you, I think that's the litmus test on if you like the song. So Whether so, or not I would or like, the like the Barbie movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. I like... I, I like I, I think the song's like a 7 out of 10, so I think the same about the movie. But, okay, got um, it. I... Uh, I was going to say, um, oh, I guess I'll just get to the, um, 
the letterbox reviews but oh yeah some of these are doozies do you have letterbox i i don't have it but i have gone on it before to because there was a time where it's like you know after you watch um midsummer and hereditary and then you know you watch you probably get into like the next iteration of that you know and like i was like what's like better psychological drama that's not hinging on like horrible things <laughs> the trauma yeah what, yeah what is that movie with willem dafoe in it where antichrist oh god yeah, yeah. so you it's saw like antichrist <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> sick. okay quick quick tangent story about that movie apparently yeah about like, the willem dafoe thing about his dick about his dick yeah Did we talk about this already no i just you just know this i love be, willem dafoe this might just be a so. widely known fact <laughs> yeah don't we all know that they had to cgi willem no, dafoe's they bought, they dick to make it smaller who yeah. had a huge dick that was still marginally smaller than Willem Dafoe's. Because they thought it was... Because they thought that large. people... Yeah, they thought was, that people yeah. would think that it was a, an artistic choice that they enlarged it in CGI. <laughs> right, and they were yeah. like, we don't want people to think that this is an obscenity. They're yeah. like, we want people to take this movie seriously. Lars von Trier said that Willem Dafoe's dick was confusingly large. That was the word the choice. Confusingly? That, yeah. that is hilarious. <laughs> like, it right. perplexed people, so... Um, I always get him mixed up with somebody else, so let me look him up before i make this joke you keep talking okay um but anyway yeah i uh uh i might have i hope nobody's at home thinks i told it on myself by saying that the dick i see on screen is still huge uh uh so i'm looking at um some reviews for the movie these are all a half star out of five uh this first one is what the hell is this shit it's just so triggering and boring as fuck for real why would you why have you done this shit, man? Uh, another one says, There were three cornball anti-Asian jokes within the first 15 minutes of the movie. Also, How do you feel about that? I'm fine with it. I, I, I'm a, here's my problem. When it comes to humor, I'm like the Asian Uncle Tom. Like I, I do like, My friends will do voices You're the me. cowboy from that season of Survivor. Yeah, yeah there you go. No, I, well, okay, I feel the same way about the anti-Asian jokes, the same way I feel about like the R word. Like I think it's just mm-hmm. ingrained in like the culture that the movie comes from, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of... You know, maybe you can look on that negatively, but I think you can also see it as, like, part of what it's satirizing at the same time. Right. It's it's know? whether or not you want things to be sanitized because you're worried that people can't, uh, like, consume media without identifying with it, right? It's yeah. like, if you're of the mind that you can't consume any type of media without like identifying with the main character or without being overly influenced to the point that like that will become your personality it's right. like then you probably won't like the movie you yeah. know it's like if you can watch something and then not immediately be like this will have a profound effect on everybody who's ever watched it because nobody has critical thinking you know right. it's like, the same people who think like video games cause school shootings right like it's yeah, yeah the same people who think that like you know th- gay people should stay inside to not like influence their kids right yeah or like it's the same i think it just comes from yeah you you were right like it's like a lack of media literacy like Mm -hmm. the idea that i always think that sometimes people have trouble differentiating between portrayal and endorsement and just because your main characters are talking a certain way doesn't mean the writer's saying like i talk this way and you should too right you know like those are different and Um, i think it's yeah it's definitely tough too because it's a really easy out for people who are endorsing something to just say like it's a commentary and we just wanted to show authenticity that's that's why the whole movie's about a pedophile right (laughs) like they're like and we have like the weird (laughs) (laughs) this is not this is not fair um this is a hate this is 
this this podcast episode specifically is an anti-licorice pizza <laughs> podcast episode. Every up- other episode is pro-licorice pizza. I want to make that clear. Right, yeah. But so home. I think that it's, yeah, it's definitely an easy cop-out for if somebody is doing that. And so yeah. therefore, if you have, like you said, like a lower media, media literacy, mm-hmm. um, it would be difficult to kind of tell the difference. But sure. in this movie, it's also like, um, it's like, it's, dialogue that's indicative of their characters right it's like it's like if you're watching it and hoping that you know you're going to get like a feel-good um idea about teenage girls right it's like it's just not that type of movie like they're meant to be bad people they're meant to be ignorant they're meant to be teenagers right it's like teenagers will say the most fucked up shit you've ever heard and And and, this is pretty tame compared to things that i've heard real life teenagers oh my gosh yeah 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 we we knew some of the same people (laughs) um yeah you're a teacher yeah yeah uh but like also uh you know, it's like you you are also the, the complex thing that people can't wrap their heads around is that when you're still asked to sympathize with them, even when the movie's criticizing them. And right. I think that's something that some people who have maybe don't aren't attuned to the nuance of, you know, I, I sound so like. I sound you sound so. But you sound so R word apologist. I say, yeah, the, all I'm trying to say is put the R word in more movies. It's, yeah. I'm, it's, it's, okay, maybe we should specify the R word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's say it real quick. Well, on the count of three, we'll both say. Okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. One, one two, two, three. three. <laughs> good. That was a good game of chicken. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, it would be a better movie if Megan Fox just sat in front of the camera for an hour and forty-seven minutes. Guess the gender of the person who wrote that review. Yeah, it's not coming it, it to me, me for I, some reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you when you were nine. You're yeah, like, Boo. I was nine. I was you're like, like, we should watch more SJW clips. <laughs> uh, this one's kind of funny. Donnie Darko, but woman. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, Donnie Darko doesn't have the range. No. Just kidding. I haven't not. seen Donnie Darko since I was eight, so yeah, I actually it's, don't it's remember. It's Boy Jennifer's Body. Yeah, well, I've, you know, I remember a plane crash. I remember a dead girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, men being sad boo men being sad one man yeah yeah. um the last one half star is bad (laughs) only all the here's the thing i noticed anytime somebody gives a half star review to a good movie there's no like punctuation it's all run on one run on sentence (laughs) they're ranting they're pissed it's the same exact thing when you see like a bad political take and Mm -hmm. it's like you know, Nancy Pelosi, blah, 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 like, just like, <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> uh, so bad. People only hype it up because of Megan and the whole eating boys thing, like, okay, queen, honestly, but it's just not a good movie. Crying emoji. Fine. I don't know. Some people, yeah. I think just some of it, and I don't want to assume for everybody, but it's like some of those things we were talking about, like the camp, it's like, if you're just not tuned into like, what's intentional about the movie, you're going to think it's bad. Right. It's like the like looking at it as a first glance too, it's like I think that a lot of people are like they're like um woke to the point where they're like they're like, This is not a feminist movie, you know, right. this is objectifying, this is you know, and it's like the irony is that like the objectification is there and like her becoming a a demon succubus is the response to that, right? The, yeah. the amount of people who can't enjoy something because it is kind of a, a derivative of something that they don't agree with is I think also what 
what drives a lot of like women away from it because you know it's like men don't like it because it's not about them and because men are not like it's like they're like they're killing men and nobody even cares right yeah and it's like but i i have heard women say that they don't like the movie because they're like oh well like it's just objectifying and it's just sex and it's like you're missing the point it's like that's it's like that's the the thin veil that exists over it's a trojan horse right yeah it's like that's the haze that you're supposed to look through to see like you know what they're doing right right yeah no you're right um you were looking something up when we were talking about Willem Dafoe, and I was wondering. What oh, I was, I, I was, because um, Lars von Trier did not direct the movie that I was going to talk about, so I had to double check. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was yeah when we were talking about the the iterations of those psychological horror movies. Um, I was going to go with that, like, and say that some of the most profound ones I think are some of the ones that like aren't scary. Um, like as such, right? But are scary yeah. because they just fill you with dread. So that's like, so I think also right now what we're like what we're seeing becoming a little bit more popular and mainstream is like not the classic horror movie where it's like there's a monster, right? But it's like the horror movie where it's like there's something that like you just can't get out of your skin, right? Yeah. And it's like I think that that is also something that could make people uncomfortable with Jennifer's body, you know, the gay panic about it, right? Sure. But it's like in the same way. Um, if you've ever seen Vivarium or Killing of a I, Sacred Deer. I've seen both of those. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like those. It's like, and, and I think that those the movies are a little bit. Family unit type of story, right? Yeah. Those, like the yeah. subversion of like those like spooky type of movies where it's like, it's not horror like we were talking about where like the horror is political. It's like, I think that we're moving a little bit past that to the horror where it's like, instead of like the terror being like the socio-political state of the world like the right. the economics you know like stuff like that it's like the horror is like the more subtle um and unspoken like rules that we have mm-hmm. about the ways that different things should be structured right so um where there's not like a definable evil because it's like the evil is so um kind of heady and subtextual that you don't even talk about it in real life because it's not something that you would regularly notice yeah no, I'm look. I'm on board with everything. Okay, I it's the part of me that's doesn't know where irony stops and begins. I want movies with great subtext, and I'll also watch a movie with like like a horror movie about like a killer cop wearing a Kamala Harris mask or something. Like I think that would be funny too. Like I don't. I for me, it's just like whatever idea you have, go with it. Whatever sounds insane enough. You're like yeah, just just <laughs> execute that. Just do it. Pull pull yeah yeah pull the lever on that one. Come on, Joe. Did you just have that? Yeah, ready this is to just go? in my. my That's just terrible. You <laughs> said Harris. We can cut this part. Right? No, it's like, yeah. No, this was great for an uh, audio platform. Uh, Kira just showed me a meme on her phone, but you guys don't get to yeah, know what it is. Yeah, fuck you. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Jennifer's body before we're done? I guess there was just a, there was a couple of um, other things that I liked. The. <laughs> I like when she like takes down hit Colin's pants right before she murders him and she goes nice hardware ace um, right after yeah. she and Needy are making out and Needy's like oh my god what's happening what are you doing she goes slow down tardy slippies <laughs> <laughs> I won't say the rest that one that okay. one is a slur right. as such so I guess you sure. could just watch the movie yeah um, I like oh I, I I like the the very teenager um part in all of their characters like they all say um jennifer and chip and needy all say at least once they say i can take care of myself that kind of thing when it's like very clearly none of them can take care of themselves right it's like jennifer cannot keep herself contained right like she can't have any self-control like chip cannot take care of himself obviously because he gets murdered like needy can't take care of herself because she you know 
she, like everyone thinks that she's going crazy but um and it's so also it's, very intentional that you very rarely see the parents too right like they're and, not being taken care right. of right but you, you see know? teens saying that all the time right yes. like i i said that probably every week when oh, i yeah, was a teenager so. but yeah. I, chip right before the prom he goes when she offers him the the pink pepper spray he goes i can take care of myself <laughs> i've been using the bow flex, the bow and flex. It's like, yeah yeah it's like so 2009 to be the using the at home shot with the bow flex yeah yeah and the yeah, the way that that Jennifer too some tries to um, as a way to like subvert her like sex pot narrative too, like she'll kind of slip into like the innocent thing right before she kills somebody. So with her and Jonas, she's like, she's like, this is what he would have wanted. Like, can you feel my heart as yeah. she, he's like grabbing her tit? Like she's like, yeah, like all these animals here, like you know they're ready, they're waiting, they're watching, <laughs> um, and and just like a little funny like throwaway thing she's like chip like i have to tell you needy and colin were being intimate and then there's a beat and she goes and by intimate i mean I wrote porking on a semi-regular basis <laughs> yeah, yeah i wrote that down too yeah. uh, uh, no that oh, was great and then my most favorite like piece of dialogue is um after they get out of the pool, her and Chip, right? It's probably, it's been done to death. You know, it's like, I'm sure that like, I probably have it memorized though, where like she and Needy are like talking to each other and like they're shitting on each other and insulting each other. And she's like, she's just hovering. It's not that impressive. And she's like, <laughs> and like that piece of dialogue until she goes like, I'm going to eat your soul and shit it out. Let's Nikki, like yes. the whole, the whole commentary that they're doing is so good because it's so like, She's like, yeah, back when you were socially relevant, like, and she's like, I was a snowflake queen, you know, like very, very high school and like things that would be devastating for somebody right. to say to me if I was 15, right? But in the middle of like a fight to the death. Yeah, like, you know, and it's yeah. like, it's just, yeah, another, another layer of camp. I'm like, yeah, they don't drop the bit for anything, which I right. love because if they took, yeah, if they took it, you know, into a more serious direction, I would be like, you lost me. No, yeah, I agree. It would be an insult. I wrote, the other thing I wrote down, I forgot to put on, but the entire maybe my favorite scene i don't know but one of my favorite scenes is the intercut scene between when jennifer's killing colin and when uh needy's uh, I, I think it's implied she's losing her virginity to yeah chip. and like cutting back and forth between those two scenes and there's like the bit yeah. where like when chip's putting on the condom and she's like watching him do it and she's like smiling she's like, like it's cool yeah. <laughs> yeah and then like and there's like the varies like uh He's like, these are supposed to make it feel good for the girl. And she's just like, cool. Like, yeah. Uh, and he's like, am I too big? Because she's like screaming oh watching him get murdered. The way, like, yeah. Is it, is it too big? Because she's <laughs> sensing Colin getting murdered right, and she starts she and, gasping. And right, because like, they have that connection where it's like they're together. Yeah, right? and it cuts to Chip kind of like nodding and smiling. Like, yeah. Like, it's, that's. Yeah, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, love it. Every All the intentional stuff love how they call each other monostat and vagisil <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah i don't out of risk of like not just quoting the rest of the movie because i think i could do that forever um I, the last thing i wanted to say was i i only realized at this time the only time you see jennifer's mom in the whole movie is right after she dies yeah and that i think that's part of also what makes standing so sad is like we immediately humanize her yeah she's somebody's daughter you know yeah. the second she's dead like because when she dies too like the the whole like the gray tone to her face because she hasn't eaten anything right she eats chip for like a second but yeah. then like it's like obviously it's not enough like you see that she's kind of looking like duller and like in her like 
hungry and weak phase. And right. then immediately after she stabs her, you see the the pink come back to her face. And it like, you know, it's like, oh, she's just Jennifer again, right? And then yeah. it cuts to Needy's face. And it's like, then she's like hit with the gravity of what she just did because she killed like her best friend, right? And it's like, now it's her best friend now that yeah. she's dead. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great. It's an amazing movie. Um, before we go, you're in Rocky Horror, as we mentioned. Right. Which was, this was funny news because I think my most prominent memory of you from high school is when we went to go see Rocky Horror. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we were in the same group of people. No, we, we weren't. I didn't know you were there till after until, because yeah, I was dressed as Brad, um, and uh, I even have. I think I still have like the Denton, like the jacket mm-hmm. that I, we made. But yeah, no, you lied about being eighteen, so they hazed you. Yeah, because they because yeah, I had the red V on my forehead and everything. Yeah, we got it and on our then... cheeks because we were honest about <laughs> our age. Yeah, yeah they because they I didn't realize that you were supposed to put it somewhere else. But um, yeah, they said if anybody over the age of eighteen, you know, is w- willing to come up and yeah. um, you know, do this kind of before show ritual, come on up. And I was like not sober you know i was 16 and i was like this will be a laugh right and then it's like i went on stage um and then like ate a twinkie off of like a guy's dick and then had some guy like eat you know like a snack cake off like my mons area (laughs) and then i was like oh i was like that was embarrassing i was like but i don't know any of these people and then i walked out and immediately saw you and two (laughs) other people that went to our high school and saw another group of people that i also knew that also went to our high school and i was yeah I said, wow. <laughs> yeah. I remember my favorite thing about that night was like, I noticed uh, one guy whose name I won't say on air, but he was like a super Republican football player that I knew. And he was there with like his girlfriend at the time. And I've never seen a guy look like more lost <laughs> in so place. Fun. He was like, kind of just like eyes moving back and forth, but like head You'll have to tell still. me after. I, I'll tell you for sure. But, yeah. yeah. But what's funny is that I also went there with David, who is my best friend and is also in Rocky Horror mm-hmm. playing Rocky, you know? Yeah. So are you, you guys are not in the same cast. Yeah. Right? So the, so the breakdown is that there are two separate casts. Um, there's two shows on Saturday, on Fridays and Saturdays um, to honor the midnight showing, right? So there's an 8 p.m. show and then a midnight show. And so then to save, I guess, um, our voices and our sanity, they double cast it. And they said that there's going to be two vibes associated with the show. So the cast that David is in, which is not mine, um, it's supposed to be darker and grittier and kind of like messy, right? You know, kind of like very under alley. Um, And then my cast that I'm in is meant to be more like camp and ironic and like, like that 80s horror stereotype yeah. right do you feel more at home there than you think you would have in the other one or do you i i don't know because um again i'm i'm not an actor sure. <laughs> i just i i auditioned as a laugh because i hadn't done any theater since high school i hadn't done anything yeah. creative at all right i, mean, I just accidentally got the work. lead female role <laughs> i did <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> that yeah, every actress who who like wanted that role is so pissed that you, yeah, <laughs> that you said that hoping that they're I not listening for the bit. yeah well i mean i mean because what happened is that i auditioned for you know just for fun because i was like yeah. this will be fun to do and then i right. got a callback um and so then in the callback i was like i started getting those feelings that i got from high school that made me quit acting which was yeah. like the the deep-seated like need to be you know um to be taken seriously and to like get the roles and to to have the validation of like you know being the actor like I remember in high school, like there was a time when we were trying out <laughs> for Animal Farm. We can cut this if it doesn't work with your podcast. <laughs> no, it's fine. But yeah, it's it's this story that I told you already where I said if I don't get a named part, I will go home and kill myself. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. Yeah. And then I got Mrs. Jones. Oh, thank God. The yeah. irony. The person the who has no lines. Happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. The tragedy that would have struck Okemos High School if I had the guts. <laughs> you got the bare minimum to save your life. Yeah. <laughs> God said just a little sprinkle. Yeah. yeah. So, so then when I, yes, yeah, so then I, I got called back for Rocky Horror and I, um, you know, all those feelings started coming back and I was like, ooh, if I get rejected, I was like, I was like, I, I was like, I will probably feel really sad, actually. I was like, I was like, I didn't expect to like feel oh, the need to be accepted. Right. Yeah, yeah. Those feelings yeah. of it. Yeah. Of, of being accepted, yeah. you know, needing it all came back. So then, um, then I did get the part. Uh, I got Janet and then I was like, I don't think I can do this. I was like, why the fuck did I audition? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. But you're there. Yeah. Yeah. When's it starting? So, um, the opening night is the 16th, okay. I believe. Let me look at my calendar to make sure I also sure want to point out to hardcore fans of the podcast, previous guest Matt Ottinger is part of the cast, too. Matt Ottinger, he is... criminologist. Oh, sorry. Um, I did misspeak. It's the 19th that it opens, so it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday for two weeks. So it'll end on the 28th. But yes, Matt Ottinger is the narrator for both casts. So Amazing. Perfect. I want to see that film dude do some film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect casting all around. Um, thank you for doing yeah, this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.